Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historic, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Hello and welcome back to Real Bible Stories. I'm your host, Imran Ward, joined by my wife, Selena. Hello. And our teacher, Pastor Ryan Brown. What's going on, everyone? Just has a nice ring to it. You know, now he's got the big P word attached to his name, pastor, <laughs> in the house. All right. So um, this week we are going to be answering some more questions um, about the faith. Now that you've had a week to catch up on our episode on worth and then purpose and then it was the suffering, suffering and then the cross and then, cross, and then peace. Yeah, a few. yeah. So um, and I tried to remember that off the top of my head. But now that you've had a week to catch up, now we're going to jump into why sin, uh, which I think is a super... Uh, before we got started, I was like, Ryan, this could go any which way. Yeah, it's a loaded. We, yeah. yeah, right. It's like I could derail this for like hours <laughs> if, if if you want me to. But um, so I don't think we have any crazy updates to jump in here. It's besides really, we like remodeled the office. It's, and in. it's really hot where we are. It's oh, yeah. getting into that season. 29 Palms. Um, we, I don't, did we break 100 yet? We're from like 97. The, from the softball game this morning, like at 9 o'clock, I'm already like a lobster. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, all good, in all good things. So. Yeah. Well, you said we got a number of views off the top of your head. Oh, yeah. We crossed over 25,000 views. I think we cracked 26,000 uh, in the last day or two. But, um, man, I truly appreciate all of you all that are out there t- taking a listen and sharing this podcast because that is awesome. We've been doing this about a year, year and two months now. And to break into the top 5% of podcasts globally and to uh, cracking um, 25,000 uh, views across all the platforms, I think that that's super awesome. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate all of you all listening. But uh, with that, let's get into this episode of Real Bible Stories. Ryan, where do you want to get started? Sure. So, yeah, this this topic, I mean, it, it's a very loaded thing, right? There, there's a lot of theology um, loaded behind a, a question like this, right? So I, I think from the very beginning, just for people to know, is that um, I'm going to try to answer this question the best way I can based off of um, propositions that I hold. We say prepositions, you like, mean like positions like, that I hold. Oh, positions, that, that, um, Prepositions, yeah, as I, opposed I th- to prepositions. Uh, yes. Um, so, <laughs> for example, um, your view on free will will play heavily into how we answer the question, right? So, um, you know, there's there's this big spectrum within theology of the relationship between the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. Um, how much of your life is actually your choice type of thing? Right. I mean, and, and how much is you, like you know, the end is the end is determined from the beginning. Um, and yet you read the gospels and, and there's very much no sense at all that any of this is fatalistic for you personally. Right. So, um, you know, if I have to make a choice and that assumes I have a choice, mm-hmm. right. Um, it's just God already would already have known the choice you were going to make knew and, and determine how it was going to end. So what does that relationship look like, right? Like uh, Augustine of Hippo, he had written, um, you know, back in 4th century AD, you know, that whatever your theology, you have to somehow balance 
the absolute sovereignty of God within a process with the absolute freedom of the will of man in that same theology. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough thing, right? Like, um, I certainly have a position on it. Um, but my point being is that if maybe you do not hold to that exact same position of free will, and it's a little different then my answer today won't necessarily be maybe satisfactory or for you, right. Or, um, the way you view something like free will, um, and this is just one of many things that are kind of loaded behind this question, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, if you, you hold a different view, then you're going to have to answer this question a different way. Right. I, 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 wanna... I can't, I can't exhaust 80 different theologies on 80 different topics. Mm, yeah. But you know I, I mean, I, to answer this question, I'm, I'm curious since we've got everyone in the room here, um, if we all have different interpretations of free will, I think that that's actually a, a worthwhile question to ask, you know? So, um, you kind of described what your perspective is. Could you enhance that a little bit more? Like I what like, specific, how much free will do you think we have in this? In I actually this think it's kind of, in my mind, it's simple, but I know it's probably not going to sound as simple, I guess. But so Martin Gruber, um, he had essentially said it this way is that if you just look at people, for example, right? Just, just take two individuals, um, who maybe are opposed to one another. I'm going to ask you too, Selena. So get ready. Yeah. So if you're opposed to one another, you got two competing wills, right? Like in fact, war in its sense, like is by definition, um, war is a clash of wills, clash of wills, right? And will always wins. Right, so it's really this struggle between two wills going up against each other. Now, I can have complete free freedom of will um, in my life and in my situations and uh, my interactions, but God does too. And God is in his sovereignty, all-powerful, all-knowing, right? His will is going to win, right? So I could still be free even if I'm opposed to him, but he's ultimately going to win. He's going. He says, this is how I want it to end, and this is how it's going to end my will is not stronger than his will to alter that fact. Right. Nice. That's interesting. So that, that's, that's kind of like this continuous warring process between you and you and God and your will versus his will. Right. And I think much of the gospel is one of when we talk about surrendering, right? The idea of I surrender my life to Christ. Like, what do we mean by that? What you mean is that you lay down your arms. You you say, I'm going to stop opposing your will and I'm going to align my will with your will. So instead of going against the flow of your will, I'm going to now turn back around repentance, right? To turn around and now go with the flow of your will. Um, I, I believe when you start talking about things of election that kind of play into things like with, with free will, okay. um, that God chose, right? Did he choose the individuals and say, Imran, you, I, I have determined you are going to choose me, right? Or did he make a choice and say those in their own freedom, who have chosen me, this is what I've determined their outcome to be. Okay. Which is what my view is, right? Okay. I, I let, think, me, let me hold you there. Okay. I don't want to get too far into it. I want to ask Selena. It's like, boy, geez, you, how do I go after that? You, I haven't really it studied it more on my own, like just going through, going through the Bible and seeing what the Bible has well, to no, say no, about it. I just it. want to, what is your feeling but, based off well, of how you've lived life? It doesn't matter about my feeling. Based on what, like, what I've been taught, it's pretty similar to what, Ryan was saying is that even if we mess up in our sin, um, like ultimately God's will, um, like he can use anything for his 
glory and if it was part of his plan like he well if he has a plan for you like he's gonna make it work like no matter like how much you screw up or no matter how much you divert um okay so you're operating under the assumption that you can screw up you do have the ability to mess things up yeah but we your, should aim to, to um what kind of what ryan was saying like operate under god's will like that should be um our goal is to be more like Jesus. So it's like, what is God's will? And really just um, trying to do that constantly over and over, whether that be like through prayer, communicating with God or reading the Bible, like knowing God's plan. Well, then my question to you is, mm-hmm. do you believe that there are those that can, that can operate outside of God's will and they can choose to just be outside God's will? Is I that a thing that you so. can do? It's like, well, and this is God the, has a plan This is the for tension, us. right? Yep. Like this, so, yeah, and, and yeah, I think that's the most interesting part because there are people that aren't Christians, may not even have heard of Jesus Christ yet, may mm, not have, okay, may, I see may, what you're never been exposed at. to their faith. Do and and they believe they they may believe they have some freedom mm. of choice, even and but completely I think separate God to that. Can are use they still even if they're not believers? But he, they're not ultimately saved because they have been been like they haven't accepted jesus christ as their lord and savior but so how much freedom do they actually have to choose well if they're not operating under god's plan then they're just doing their own thing can we operate on not underneath god's plan yeah because that's why there's sin that's why things constantly this is going to be the fun part because <laughs> this this is exactly the type of thing that people right. will struggle with because for exactly. me for me that's something that i wonder all the time it's like why um pastor mentioned on sunday pastor david mentioned on sunday about was uh, how did i happen to be born in the right religion how did i happen to be raised in the correct faith and to be and to be under the one true god and all the and all these things how do i know how much of this is my choice to be under God's will? How much of, am I just being forced down this path? How much can I resist and actually and actually walk away from it? And those that have no belief and not even trying to operate under God's will, why would God just let them do whatever they want? Are they doing just whatever they want? And if they're if they're if if they have completely free will, then then maybe they are. But also, if it's this clash of wills, then maybe they're not. And I think that that's why it's it's such a complicated thing. But for, for but fundamentally for me, I think that if if we're created to show true worship, then true worship can only be given by choice. Right. You know. So in order for you to talk, in order to choose to do it, you have to be able to choose not to do it. Exactly. And and like to dive into that, right? Like both Paul and Peter both say, God desires no man to perish. God desires all men to be saved. So desire is very much aligned to will, right? Mm. So if God's will is not for all men to be saved, but he desires them to be saved, like you can't really square that up, right? Mm -hmm. So, So if he desires and he wills all men to be saved and no man to perish, and yet not all are saved and that some will perish, right? So that this say that in some sense, we, we do play some sort of role in that process, right? And it's it's a very hard question. I, I think, and I didn't want to make this about free will, but this is just the one I gave. Well, I think we have to, to establish to that first. 
So I work in modeling and simulations in my secular job, right? And you have different, like the role of a simulation is to replicate reality to the closest extent possible. Um, but we, it's not just to replicate reality to the closest respect, um, um, closest, um, um, extent possible, extent possible, but it's also there to, um, train to a purpose, right? There mm-hmm. is a purpose to which you are putting Marines and sailors into a simulation to train. And now, now those training, the training audience has freedom of will within the context of the scenario and the environment you put them in. At the same time, there are certain training objectives you are trying to lead them to, right? So, mm-hmm. um, in a sense, it's like, okay, they're operating freely within the simulation. Right. And then you get different, different kinds of systems, right? You've got deterministic yeah. systems, mm. stochastic systems. You have Monte Carlo systems that are kind of like in between. I don't know right? what any of those things but mean. My point being <laughs> is, is that you are able within simulation and like exercise and training support, you're able to drive the training audience to perform certain functions mm-hmm. freely of their own will. Based off of the, the based of the conditions that ba- you put them in, right? Based mm-hmm. off the not just the conditions, but the inputs that you you put in, right? So, for example, um, this is interesting. Yeah, if I'm I am liking tr- the analogy. So yeah, mm-hmm. if I'm like, for example, making, um, I'll just use like a counterinsurgency, even though we're not really focused yeah. on that anymore. But let's say I I ultimately want a company of Marines to conduct a cordon uh, knock and search on a IED compound. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them out there in this big village, right? Range 220 kind of thing, um, which by the, is the same size as downtown San Diego, right? And they're doing their operations, but I'm trying to drive them. What, what I'll do is like, I really want them for my training objective to go do a cordon knock, hard hit on this, you know, IED warehouse. Mm-hmm. I will drop like certain intel reports, right? I'll provide certain stimulus to them. To that, as they receive it and they get that information, you essentially paint the picture to them that they're looking at it and they're like, through their own capacity, mm. they're viewing it and they say, ah, we need to go do a cordon search on this compound, yeah. right? So now they, of their own free will, have made the free decision. They have also, on their own free will, have gone to go execute that cordon knock. All the while, though, we were the ones who actually drove them to do that. Does that make sense? No, yeah, that makes so a lot of sense. when you look at scripture from start to finish what you see is god almost dropping those intel reports and that stimulus to humanity yeah right through the through the form of revelation through uh through dreams or through prophets right he sends the prophets um you know so so i think that that's interesting from like just even not from a military simulation perspective but from a good game design perspective because i've looked up some videos to talk about what makes good game design what makes bad game design and one of the fundamental ta- talking points in this uh, discussion that I was listening to is that bad game design is actually when they tell you where specifically you need to go. And it's like checkpoint right. to checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint. It's like that's boring. That's, as you said, right. deterministic. Right. Um, whereas like good op- like kind of open world game design is where the game itself, um, it, there is a place where you need to end up. But you can choose how you want to end up there. And, and the kind of the easiest one I can think of is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, where you've got this whole map. You've got access to the whole map. The most dangerous of enemies are there, and the most and the easiest of enemies are all there, um, all within the map. You don't know exactly where they are. 
you have an idea of where you need to end up to get to the next part of the mission, but you can choose to just turn left, go into the woods and, and see how that plays out for mm-hmm. you, you know? And then when that, when you ultimately get your butt smacked and you get killed and you have to go back to that, that last place where you were alive, now you're, you're like, okay, maybe I should go down this path. It's like, oh, well, something interesting is over here in the shadows. I think I can take it. And you go out there and you get your butt smacked. You come back to the path and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll continue down the path. And then you continue down this process, but you're choosing where you want to go throughout this whole um, process. And then ultimately you make it to, you know, the end of the game. And then by the time you get to the end of the game, you're strong enough. um, You're smart enough. You're capable enough to now actually take on the most difficult parts of this, of the game, of the map. Mm -hmm. So, um. So it's all there for you. And and my point with all that, right, is that when you see God with his revelation, right, with Christ being the full revelation of that, right, that's like almost like in terms of like what we were talking about with like training Marines, right? Like that's, hey, here is the intel package, right, with pictures and the bad guy is at this building, will be there at this time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Like go, go. Go get them, right? And it's like you can that, choose how you want to do it. And it's that obvious. It, it's like, and that's, it's kind of painted that Christ has the full revelation to make it that obvious to us to where we say, of our own free will, I choose him. Or you can be like Jonah. Or, right, <laughs> you can be the dumb dumb that looks at that and says, I don't, I, I'm, I'm just going to go patrol over here instead. I don't, I don't think, right? You know, like, dude, you're, you're completely missing, right? Like what mm-hmm. you need to be doing and what's obvious mm-hmm. and right in front of you, right? So, to me, it kind of—I I feel like it operates much that way with God, where it's like, "Look, you guys have freedom to, to maneuver. I'm going to—I have a say. I have a will. I'm going to be providing you with stimulus and mm. inputs in life, and yeah. I'll give you revelations. And you're going to make your own free decision on it. I'm going to make it as obvious as possible. But ultimately, whether you choose it or not, I've determined how this is ultimately going to end. And de- depending on how I've determined the ending, what you're really deciding." is where you end up at that end. Like Jesus teaches on, um, like when, you know, chops down the tree and he says, Hey, um, a tree, if it's producing fruit is good for shade. It's good for producing sustenance. It's good for life. A dead tree that's producing no fruit is only good for one thing, which is being mm, uh, ch- chopped down, cut up and thrown in the fire. Yeah. Right. Essentially the, the vessels of mercy versus the vessels of wrath. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, his ending is going to happen. Which vessel are you going to be a part yeah. of to demonstrate his glory? Right. You, so you brought up, um, you kind of, um, brought up like an old memory in my head of like when I watched the matrix and, um, after the matrix came out, the matrix trilogy finished, uh, there was like this kind of phrase out there where pe- there's, there's a group of people, there probably is still a group of people that are like, we are living in a simulation and they like yeah. were pleading insanity when they would do crazy things. And, and that plea of like, it, it, nothing I do matters because we live in a simulation. But um, what you just brought up here made me think about, well, if God's the, uh, the creator of the world, designer of all things, and, um, and his will ultimately will be done, it's like, in a way, we do live in a simulation. But any good simulation, um, to the party that's within the simulation, it would be indistinguishable from reality, right? So... Just like if we create a good simulation to the bits and bytes that are within it, they don't know they're in a simulation. We wouldn't necessarily know either, but that's not necessarily a bad, a bad thing. So yeah, if this is a deterministic, ultimately reality where God's will will be done and he's kind of providing these bite-sized directions that that push us down a specific path, 
Um, do you still have free will within it? Yes. Is there still kind of this force that's pushing you towards a certain end? Yes. So it's it's interesting. It's like both are true. And if you look and at things like interesting like way what Selena said, right? So like everything that ha- in terms of our faith, right? When you look at the gospel, how much of that was dependent on us, right? So my, my point being is that Christ, it was through what Christ did, right? That ultimately saved us. God mm-hmm. himself took ownership. That's his will manifesting to us, right? So mm-hmm. how is he determining the end while we're still kind of operating freely within that? That's because he, God pretty much said, I'm not going to anchor anything on you to get yourself there. I'm going to anchor it all on me because my will stronger than your will. Yeah. And in my will, this is how I'm going to handle sin. This is how I'm going to handle, um, you know, the, 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 the problem, um, you know, the, the, the problem within humanity, I'm not going to levy that on you. It's going to be through grace and grace alone. All right. So everything has always just been anchored on God himself to determine that end that we get to now just decide if we participate in the ending, right? Where, where do we, where are we sitting, um, you know, at, at the encore, right? I, and I, I think my next question then to you would be, because we talked about our, the interaction of our will and God's will in this world and how there are kind of different interpretations of that. I think the next logical point would then be for this conversation to be like, well, then what is sin specifically? So let's talk about the actual question itself first, because the the question, just why sin? I mean, that's just very, the specific question that came from youth um, was that why did God make a world capable of sin if it was good, right? So um, Genesis, um, in Genesis 1, it says that in everything that he made, you know, he blessed it and it was good. It was good. It was good. Well, if it was good, then, then why is there sin? Mm-hmm. Right. So you can almost, when you read that and think about it, almost feel like, so either what God did wasn't good. Um, That's a dangerous rabbit hole. Right. So, well, because sin doesn't seem to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. Or he at some point made it good, but then we made it bad. Or at least something, some force, right. so, something happened that made it now bad and it's no longer good. Right, and it's no longer good, um, therefore kind of taken away from the sovereignty of, you know, God. Yeah, because if he made something good, if something's capable of making it not good, then how sovereign is God? Right. That's a fun one. I think, though, there's a third option, which is that even despite sin, this is still the best possible reality that could exist. Um, mm. And that's that's kind of hard, right, for, for people to kind of like, well, wait, hold on, like, Especially if you're in a kind of like a tough place, right? Like, Shoot, there's countries in tough places right now. <laughs> right. Like you're like, is it so this is the best possible reality there is? And I would say this, we've talked a lot about purpose and identity and like all those things. But when you look at the purpose to which we were created, it is the best reality we could have to that purpose. Okay. So we're going to kind of peel that back before I kind of get into answering. I really just three things that I think really answer that question. But just to kind of close the circle, though, on what we were just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the freedom of will, right, and other things, too, like that's just one element. Um, but of other things that, that concern it, you know, this may not be the satisfying answer for you, or it may you may have to answer that differently depending on where you fall on that, right? So I can only answer this from 
my perspective the way I see it. Yeah. Right. And as always, you're always free to disagree. Right. Um, it just better be with the Bible in hand. Right. Um, and just make sure that you've actually wrestled through it yourself. You're not just, you know, it's re- not just based off memor- your feelings memorization and- of what someone else has told you. Right. Yeah. So, so anyways, so let's talk about this then. Okay. Cause if God made the world good, um, he created, he blesses it and said, it is good. And then it doesn't take long, right? Like you got two chapters later, then you got the narrative with Adam and Eve. And it's like, well, that didn't last long. I could, yeah. It all, <laughs> all went away. Right. Um, and, um, so sin didn't seem to take long before it entered within the realm. Right. Um, so what exactly is sin? So when we look at purpose, when we look at, um, the reason to which God created us to begin with, right? That reason was what? Worship. Worship and serving him, right? So to worship, what is... Man, to, I wonder if people are really still uncomfortable with that. Like, hey, you were created to worship your God. And it's like, I wonder if people are still like, what? Why go back I just do and listen to the episode on on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because when we talked about it there, it, it was like, we talked about the idea that when it comes to creation, we are the only thing that is completely a consumer of creation, right? Like we don't better this place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he strictly tells us you need to be good stewards of this planet because you're only consuming, right? Um, mosquitoes play a role in the balance of the ecosystem, right? Like we're the yeah. only thing that's not because our unique role is, is to be worship. the ambassadors of worship yeah. on behalf of creation, right? Mm-hmm. So on behalf of creation, I like that. That's why uh, regency, the idea of regency, we're regents, we're, we're, um, we're ambassadors to, um, of worship from earth to heaven. And that we've also been created co-heirs of Christ of heaven to earth. Yeah. Right. So we're the, we're these regent ambassadors to, to that. So with that in mind, then how would you define sin? And there's many ways to define sin. Um, you know, sin in itself is any unfaithful act or, or any act that acts outside of the designed intention, purpose, or will of, of um, what, what God made, right? So um, it's not just simply, people kind of chalk up sin as just simply immorality. Now, immorality is sin, yeah. but it's a little further than that, right? Yeah. Like um, misappropriating anything outside of its intended purpose or design um, you know, is sin. You can you look take, at the unnecessary, like destruction of the planet and things like that. Um, waste, taking advantage of other people. I, I would say like all that. I know it sounds really like, but like you can almost say littering is sin in, in the sense that we were charged to be good stewards. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we were charged to be good stewards of the planet. That is not being a, not only just good stewards, but it's almost kind of like treating God's creation like a dumpster. Yeah. And he says, "Okay, you, you are op- you're using that outside of the intended purpose. That's sinful. That that lacks gratitude. That lacks perspective, and it lacks proper worship. Right? So, like, I think that makes perfect sense. I don't. I don't think it's too difficult to argue that. Um, I, I hope there's not people out there being like, I deserve to be able to litter. That is my right. It's like, is it, buddy? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think there is either. I just I think what people tend to fall into is that." I mean, yeah, I shouldn't do it, but I mean, is that sin? That's what people say about porn too, though. Right. And that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Because this is true, right? Sin is anything that's outside of its proper design or intention, 
It's true of sex. It's true of marriage. Um, it's true of the body. It's, it's true, true of your time, simple, energy, like relationships, right? Like Jobs. everything. Yeah. You misplace it, right? Um, and that's why Paul always really puts the root of all sin into idolatry. Not adultery, but idolatry, mm-hmm. right? Is that when you make idols, when you usurp God's rightful place or God's right or God's design or plan for something, or you replace a purpose, right? So mm-hmm. you repurpose something outside of what it was originally designed for, right? And we've we've talked about like sex a lot, right? But like sex is yeah, and sex is the easy answer, right? Yeah, but, but it's just it's dude, I'm getting but ready. money is an even easier answer. There's people, uh, it's like so. I guess you could say pornography just statistically is more of a uh, a male dominated problem. I actually but, um, disagree with that. I think I think women struggle with it nearly at the same levels. Yes, and, but pornography specifically is the way men consume that type of uh, material. Just it's just more of a male problem, and that's just that's just stats. Women consume it differently. Uh, but the, the point I'm bringing up is that people mismanage their money constantly and that is such an easy one to grasp it's like because i can ask everyone it's like are you simple thing of are you giving 10 percent to the the church root of all evil is what it's money no pride no the root of it says the bible doesn't say the root of all evil is money oh the love it's the love the love money money is the root right and and essentially what that's doing is misplacing money as its proper place and elevating it higher And it's so easy to do, though, because right. I need money to eat. I need money to afford the home that I live in. I need money to get the things that I want, whatever that is. It could be it could be sex. It could be stuff. It could be time. Like maybe I pursue a job that pays really well, but I don't have to work very hard so I can do, you know, streaming on the side or something. Whatever it is, it's um, but you having that unhealthy pursuit or love of money. Um, I think is an easier one to grasp than just sex, and it can apply to a lot more things. And it's the number one reason for divorce. It's money problem. Money problem is the number one reason for divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I well, I'm glad you're still here, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> I I am getting ready to teach Sunday youth. We're going through Joseph, nice. and like Mary Joseph, Joseph, or no, 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 Joseph, son of Jacob. Um, oh, all the way back in Egypt, Genesis, you know, thirty-seven through um, forty. What, anyways. Um, but, you know, like we're spending three weeks in, in chapter 39 with just the whole narrative of Potiphar and his wife and Joseph and like that whole thing. Because there's like so much there. Mm-hmm. A lot of really cool things. I can't wait to do it for the podcast if we ever do it. But um, but one of the things is that we were going to talk about sexual pressure. and Right, because the queen was trying to pressure. Not, not the queen, but the wife of Potiphar, who was a royal official. But mm. oh, okay. But yeah, was so to pressure Jacob into. And you see her. specifically a few different kinds of unique pressure and, and the text is really one where joseph is internally struggling with this like he he is under pressure right a lot of pressure to go do this and be um, unfaithful um to god in that situation now i was just doing some <clears throat> research about really just the relationship between sex and um the christian church right and there's like this pew poll that came out a year ago it said that, okay, the vast amount of Protestants um, find it completely unacceptable to have any sort of sexual relation um, with a uncommitted partner. So essentially like a, a one-night stand. Right? Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable. But, and it wasn't a higher margin. Like it wasn't much higher, but the majority, 
Okay, the majority of Protestant Christians in, in America said that they think it is acceptable to have premarital sex in if you're in a committed relationship. Mm. So if you've got two people who are committed, who are dating, um, that it is permissible in that context, right? Which is not what the Bible says. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was the majority. That, that was majority. Yeah. Majority of American Christians think that, right? And it just shows that's, kind of the problem really interesting. that we have, right? Because I, I, I feel like most Christians say, but don't, they do, it's the classic do as I say, mm-hmm. not as I do. Yeah. And most Christians will speak abstinence, but do everything but abstinence. I didn't, I didn't even. 95%. 95% um, of, of Americans are sexually active within or without marriage. 95% of American adults between between, i'm sorry between the ages of 16 and 44 yeah when we were in miami um we didn't know anyone like any adults in our life that were actually were abstinent until marriage until marriage like none like zero yeah the first pair Mm -hmm. we met was uh a couple in virginia when you once you join yeah the marine corps so here's my point is that also looking at that, you look at this direct correlation between not just age, but the number of sexual partners for people. And as the curve goes up, so the more sexual partners you get, the church attendance among those same believers goes down. So the, the more sexual partners, almost the exact same rise over run, right? The positive yeah. rise over run for sexual partners, it's almost the exact inverse of that. Negative rise over run mm-hmm. for church attendance. Mm. Not that church attendance is the catch-all of it's not, faith, but, but I, it's, it's a, a good indicator, right? I think church attendance implies a little bit of knowledge and understanding. So there's people that were raised in the church or that were at least born into Christianity because sixty something percent of the con- of the country is still um, is still Christian, but they're not active within the faith. So it's like I there are, I know plenty of people that say they're Christian. But then I'm like, do you but, go to church? No. Have you ever really why? gone to church? No. And it's like, well, why do you say you're Christian? It's like, but well, I was why when I have one sexual partner, right, premarital partner, am I attending church regularly? And then once I get a second and then a third and a fourth, my attendance decreases at the same rate. And I think it kind of is telling of two things. One, I think church is one of the few places that still preach abstinence and there's accountability and they don't want to be held accountable in that regard. Yeah. But the other piece to it ultimately is that when you're given that accountability or maybe the reminder like, Hey, that, that is not okay. That lifestyle is not okay. And it's kind of being brought into you. What are they choosing? Are they saying, Hey, once I hit two sexual partners, I've been in enough conviction that I stop and I, I go back to church and I choose God and, and, and choose to be faithful with my body, right? Within the intended purpose of my body and then the intended purpose of marriage and sex no, they're choosing sex over the faith. Is that, you see what yeah. I'm saying? Mm. And, and that's what I'm saying is that sin is not just simply like, it's not just immoral. Like, hey, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. It, it's just, but what you're essentially doing is you're placing, taking sex outside of marriage, putting it in an improper place. And then when the, it is said, hey, that is not its proper place, that is sin, that's idolatry. We say, well, I choose that idol over yeah, my God, and, uh, that was my God, right? And I, I was I was, was talking on one of the other episodes about 
um, reading through mere Christianity, but he made, uh, C.S. Lewis made such a interesting, uh, connection to sex and like any other vice, um, that we have, like, cause he's kind of going through the seven deadly sins. Um, and he was kind of comparing gluttony and lust. And, uh, he said that in nature, there is like, there's no creature in nature that, f- that fantasizes and holds sex as highly as, as we do, because there is like it, we would find it strange if a group of people went to an establishment to, uh, to sit in front of a stage and there was a, a nice steak sitting on a chair and we all just gathered together to look at it. But we are completely comfortable culturally with people going to a, to a place to sit in front of a stage to watch somebody take off their clothes. And it's like, when you, when you peel it back, it's like, why is that so sought after? Like, I'm going to pay money to go to a place to sit in a room to watch someone else take off their clothes. It's like in any other context, like we call that person insane. If somebody watched somebody slowly take the top off of a um, off of a steaming bowl of soup and they were like, man, I just can't wait to watch them take that top off that steaming bowl of soup there with no intention to actually consume the no, soup. We'd be like, you're insane. Yeah, Why would you, you pay money to soup. do that? You want to eat the soup. Yeah. Right. Um, so and then so, they go so home the, and they're like, man, so the whole point, though, great. is that, you know, sin in itself, though, is things being taken outside of its proper place of the way God intended it, right? It's what it was designed for and misappropriating it and then elevating it to a place that usurps where God really should be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and much of the reason God gave Torah, right? So like when we do Galatians, like we'll talk about this, but they're almost like these guardrails. You, you mean the law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that he gives us the, you know, guardrails to say, you guys are going to wander, but when you wander, I'm just going to make sure you don't wander too far and you're going to run into that guardrail, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to kind of bounce back and forth between those rails. That's what it's kind of acting as until the, the, the revelation of Christ because comes. Because life is a right? bowling lane. Um, so, but but I, I think in terms of sin, and, and, and it's because of that misappropriation and, and mm-hmm. making those idols that, um, and it's on so many different things, right? So many different levels applied to so many different things. So that's why I, I always found it interesting that when, when Christ comes, um, he doesn't use sin as an identity for us. He calls it a sickness, hmm. right? Um, he says it's not the, the healthy that need a doctor. Um, it's the sick, right? Hence why I'm hanging out with sinners and not the righteous people, right, is, is, is the context. So like, um, and I think often we've given this identity of sinner, right, to everybody, but, but sin in itself is almost not really a descriptor of who we are. It's actually more of a descriptor of us believing we're something we're not, right? We're, we're not um, as smart. We're not as tough. We're not as strong. We're not as, you know what I'm saying? We're not all those things that we think we are. Um, we are not gods of our own life. Mm-hmm. We have a God of our life, right? Um, there, there's a God that stands above all things, whether you acknowledge him or not, he's there, right? And and sin is really just when you get into this mindset. And it doesn't happen, particularly, I think, for the believer, you know, it's not, like, manifested in every element of life. But it's like you, you start seeing these things of, like, elements of your life that you start surrendering over. I'm going to sur- surrender my time. I'm going to surrender my energy. I'm going to surrender some of my intellect. and But uh, my body, I can't surrender that over. I'm still God of my own body. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. he, you continue to have these constant battles 
of different avenues in your life that some some of them aren't surrendered over completely, right? Um, and that's why I say, hey, that, kind of you're sick. Your, um, it's because you're sick. Like, you need a doctor then to come in, right? And that's why the beauty kind of, plays, of this, It kind of plays into what you're talking about with the interaction between God's will and your will, where it's like God's God's will is pressing on you here and you surrender that part of your life. But there's And how does that happen him, is through faith, the Spirit comes in and just starts wreaking havoc mm-hmm. internally within you, right? Or like externally. You, <laughs> or that too. But I, I'm saying like, but, but sin isn't as fun after you're saved. Yeah. Right. It's not that you don't sin after you're saved. The difference is, is that you don't feel as not like fulfilling. happy or fulfilled or satisfied in it. And then you kind of get to a place where you almost like, you're annoyed. I feel gross. I feel just, you know what I'm saying? And ashamed. You, the, the shame or the guilt even of it is so overwhelmingly, you know, overpowering whatever, pleasure you got from the sin that you're like, I can't do that again, or, or I'm going to do better. Right. Yeah. And that's just, that's just God's will living within you. So when you're opposed to it, there's tension, right. And you just start getting beat up with it. And that that's sanctification. That's, that's, that's God working through and saying, Hey, I'm going to beat you up until you get this element of your life aligned to my will. Right. Um, and that's how you start addressing sin internally within us. So the whole point then to kind of bring this back to the question, right? Mm-hmm. So if God made everything good, then Right, if he made the world good, then why did he make it capable of us to be able to operate outside of the design, the processes, and the intention to which those things were made good? Right? So he says, Man, and it was good, which means you were built with purpose, intention, with design. When you start operating outside of that, it's not good. And that's what we would call sin. That's the yeah. space of sin. Does that make sense? So it's a big space. I, I like to kind of use this analogy of um, like what makes a good car right now there's, there's a course like subjectivity to style and, and preference of, well, I like trucks. Well, I like fast cars. I like, right. But ultimately whatever your flavor of car, what well, you would say, this is a good car, right? If you're going to go to a dealership a, and you're going to buy a car you say, this is a car worth buying, right? It's not just that it's aesthetically pleasing or, fast or it's a truck that can tow you know at a baseline it's like does it run does it run properly Hmm. right does everything within this car operate within its intended purpose right now if i honk a horn and my brakes kick on and then when i put on the brakes my radio turns radio station and when i turn up the volume of my radio i accelerate yeah right (laughs) it's like no matter how fast that car is it's like I'm not driving this. Right. You're like, that is not a good car, right? (laughs) And that's essentially what we've done. Just imagine if every element of a car that was built to a purpose within a function, right, decided for itself what function it was going to play within the context of the car. Yeah. Right? And that's effectively what we've done in terms of our intended purpose, got created us with a purpose, and we think we've determined, well, this is what my role and purpose is within humanity right and he's like no you're you're the you're the radio dial you're not the brake no i'm the brake <laughs> right and, and then the brake says no i'm not the brake i'm gonna be you know, you know what i'm saying you know, I'm sa- you know what's something that just popped in my head the uh movie inside out by pixar kind of highlights a little bit of that because in the beginning of the movie the premise is that the emotions are all there you've got anger disgust happy sadness uh joy and Sorry, yeah, joy, sadness. And, talking about uh, cars, or are you talking about the uh, Inside Out? With oh, the, Inside Out, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard 
that was the movie that you you cried in. Oh yeah, I cried in that. Yeah, yeah. this is not the first time he's brought it up. Yeah, uh, he loves right. that movie. I love that movie very much. <laughs> he does. Anyway, not that's not the point. I love, I love it. <laughs> but the point is that the uh, all those emotions. The movie starts out. They don't actually understand what each of their purpose is, and what particularly Joy does not understand the function of sadness. Right when sadness is trying to do her thing, Joy's like, "Why are you making Riley sad?" Right, and they go on this whole journey. And by the end of it, all the emotions understand that we are all here to serve a specific function. And when we are all doing our jobs right, for Riley, and when we're all doing our jobs right, Riley is developing and growing into a mature adult. And But if when we're not doing our jobs right, she basically would crumple into a depressed, broken child that ran away from home. So it's like, we have to do this right, because ultimately we are here for Riley. And we all know we're here for Riley. All we want is best for her. And we all are mutually supporting Riley, who's the main character, if you haven't seen Inside Out yet. It's the real girl. You didn't write a movie review. That was really good. I like it. Oh, thanks. I like it. <laughs> um, so, so then the question then again, right, is so if God made everything good and the purpose and design to which he made us was good, why did he make us incapable of operating outside of that? Because we've talked about that with the suffering episode, right? The root of all suffering is sin, right? So if my suffering is is the result of my own or other people's sin, right? That causes pain, that causes suffering, that causes all the problems. Then why would God make that capable of us? Right? Why? Right? Mm -hmm. So keeping all that in mind, um, I'm going to give just really three things. Now that we've defined the question. Yeah. Because by the way, which is good. I'm glad we did that. People tend to, again, associate sin just to like more morality. Um, and it's, it's more, I think, biblically defined as idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. And like there are things that are good that if misused is sin yeah. and wouldn't necessarily be immoral in the sense of like, right? Like it's, it's just go back to the sex, right? It's not immoral for me to you know have sex with my wife. It's immoral for me to have sleep with an, uh, sex with another woman who is not my wife, Yeah, right? It's not that sex is immoral. So, yeah, so the sex itself it's isn't wrong. Misplaced it's, sex is what makes it immoral and sin, right? So, so then why didn't he just make us then just perfect in our function, right? Just perfect in our function uh, that we were created for. So, again, going back, we were created to be the agents of worship and servants of God, right? The, the ambassadors on creation. So, um, the first one I want to offer is this. I don't think, and the reason why I think this is still the best possible reality that could have existed is one, there is nothing more real, right? There's nothing more real than having choice. Mm -hmm. So if we were designed and built for worship, but that worship is determined and I'm, I was just hardwired to do that function perfectly. Would it still then be worship? Right? Like let me give an example. The, the power of marriage, I think I've said this before, but the power of marriage isn't that I say that I said yes to my wife, right? That's not the power. Like anybody could go on a bar on a Friday night, you know, I, I, I could go to a bar on a Friday night, find some attractive female and say yes to her. You know what I'm saying? The power of marriage is not that I said yes to my wife. The power of marriage is that I, by saying yes to her, I'm also saying no to all others. Mm-hmm. I have made a choice. I said, 
out of the four billion women on this planet, yeah, something like that, I choose you. Right, that's a big thing, right? That is one of, man, that's real, right? Because that's a lot of options. You know what I'm saying? And I, I still think this, like, love my wife. I still think there's something off with her because she made the same choice with me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, she's like of the four billion. It's like men by on, the fact, yeah, it's like the by the fact she chose planet, me. You chose someone's... me. There's something I don't trust about that. I, uh, <laughs> but I agree with your statement, Ryan. Why would she choose? You? I don't That's know. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> there's something wrong with her. But but you see what I'm saying? Like that. The power in marriage is exactly that, though. It, it's not. It's not just that um, the function and the design and the purpose of marriage of us together is good, but it, it's the fact that I we chose each other to do that together with, right? So when we start thinking about our purpose to, to be, you know, the agents and the ambassadors of worship and service to God, you know, within creation, mm-hmm. um, is it really worship if I don't choose to worship him, Right. The beauty, what makes it real worship is that I choose to worship God, that I say yes to him and no to all others. I say no to the money, that I say no to to sex, that I say no um, to all the other vices that are out there that may not in themselves be wrong, but misappropriated, right? In terms of my worship, right? Like when I become an idol, when I make money and idol, I then begin to worship money, right? It detracts from my purpose, but it's only real if it's chosen, right? Like just another example, you guys come over for dinner and you've never met my wife. We'll just say, right? You haven't met my wife. I'm just saying you, you didn't meet what? my wife. Um, and I open up the door. I'm like, guys, I'm so glad you're here. And then come, you, you see this little robot come scrolling over <laughs> to, to the front door. I'm like, guys, Meet my wife. That exists. She's the best wife. I get home. She cooks exactly what I want to cook. She says all the right, uh, you know, affirmation of words that a man wants to hear after a long day work. Mm -hmm. Um, Massages my feet at night while I watch the game and, and you know, I'm saying there are people actively pursuing this reality. Right, I know there are people that are willing to pay stupid amounts of money for that. (laughs) Well, yeah, but we'll get to that one. My point being, though, is that, and I'm like, guys, she's just she's amazing. And then on a little screen, right, a little iPad screen, that's her face. It says, I love you, Ryan. I'm like, I love you too, honey. And, and I just give her a little kiss right there on the screen. What would you think of me? Well, you're rich, aren't you? You're rich? That would, that's <laughs> what you would, I, okay, okay, maybe I'm just more judgmental. This is what I would think <laughs> quietly in the back of my mind. No, if, it was if that a, was if, you, I'd be like, Imran, you're freaking nuts, bro. Yeah, definitely. Like, we need to get you help. That, but the reason why, this is my point, right? Why would I think that's crazy? Because it's not real. Right, it's not real. I can program a computer or a robot to be and do whatever I want it to. It has no choice in the matter, right? It's just based off of what I tell it to do. It did not make a choice for me, right? Like it, so there's, it's not real. It may, it may be real in terms of existence, but to, but it's not. There, there's the no love affirmative love real. there. It's not yeah. real love, yeah. right? So for something to be, when we start talking about the abstracts, yeah, it's called her. Sorry, I was I was in a whole rabbit hole. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, so real, like for it to be real affection, right? Those those real intangibles, there has to be choice in it, right? So 
if we were to really be agents of worship within creation, we have to be able to choose and direct our worship, and we have to be able to choose Him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, There's a more even like crazier way of looking at that same example you gave, where people right now will go and purchase a wife, like go on on uh, the dark web and go go to some other country, buy a person who's now effectively their their slave because you know that person wouldn't have a passport, they wouldn't have citizenship. They bring them back and it's like maybe they don't even speak the language and it's like you're my wife now, okay, or you're my husband now, okay. Um, and they are now being forced to do all the things that you described, but it's not because they chose to be in that relationship. They were purchased and cannot never leave that relationship. That's slavery. It's like, yeah. So it's, 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 it's slavery. So it's like, you don't even have to go the AI route, like a very real thing that is happening to people around the world right now is they are in these uh, slave marriages. Right. So like, and that, that's the point, right? And if like, you introduce a, a girl like that, I'd, then I'd, I'd be like, not only are you insane, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like God doesn't want robotic worship. He doesn't want programmed worship, superficial worship, and he doesn't want forced worship in the terms of like enslavement. Yeah. He wants freely offered worship, sincere worship, worship by choice. Right. And we've talked about this before, the uniqueness of each one of us and the worship we bring, right? Like he wants us to freely give that. That's what makes it real, right? Because he is worthy of it. Right. Like yeah. um we haven't done Noah yet. Um, but this is true of really everybody in the world. When, we, when I was studying Noah, one of the things that always reached out to me though, or, or kind of caught me, was the sheer destruction of what occurred. Right. Um, and I had learned a lot of this teaching this to kids because kids are no nonsense. They pick up on things really quickly. Like, um, we'll have to do no one these days. But one of the things, though, was that when you look at the promises that God gave them up to that point, it is not nearly far as close as the promises that we operate under now as believers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Worship in itself, do you only worship because of the promises of return or do you worship because he's worthy? Mm. Right? And that's part of an element that I think people miss. Like, yeah, but, you know, why is all this destruction? And it's like, so does that detract from his worthiness to be worshiped? Yep. Right? Because even in that element, he is trying to to expose and, and give venues for all sincere authentic worship not like it's not even like a hey you love me because i bless you right and that's the whole like story of job right like Mm. you don't worship me because i've promised you something you don't worship me because i give you something you worship me because i am worthy that is your function Mm. and your role right um i think i gave it to you was it luke 4 8 so this is when jesus is getting tempted in the desert right and one of the central things that he anchored on in, de, in rebuking Satan, it's a, it's a very quick one-liner, but I think you have it, right, mm-hmm. Selena? Yeah. It says, And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Right? Now, now remember what Satan was promising Jesus. Right? He was promising him um, kingdoms, power, riches, all the vices, right? 
there's a lot of things that come loaded with like being a king of all the kingdoms of earth, right? In terms of the fleshly sense, right? Um, king Solomon had over a thousand concubines, right? He had a harem of a thousand women, yeah, right? Not denied anything of the flesh, all the sensualities of it. You have all the power, all the authority. You have all the um, the glory. People come, you know, and bow to you. Everybody, right? He said, except if you just bow down and worship me. He's like, you are to worship and serve God only. It's not about what he gives me. It's because he is worthy, right? So you even see in the Old Testament, into the Old Testament question, of, well, why does it seem so, um, you know, violent in a sense, right? And there's different functions. You have to look at each one within, like, within itself. because life is violent, but... But, but a lot of it's also, though, like when it comes to God's actions of like flooding, you know, like what you find in Genesis 6, mm-hmm. he doesn't give the promise until after the flood, right? Like, so <laughs> so are you worshiping him because of what he gives you or because he's worthy, right? Because it's it's still a choice to worship even when things aren't going well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right? you don't know where they're going to end up and you don't know. So if your worship is conditional on things going well, of God blessing you and doing things for you, then that's still not true worship, right? So much of that, the entire like human history of what we have in Scripture is, is God just showing us that you're to worship me not just because of what I give you, what I do or don't do, but because I'm worthy of it, right? That, that, that is your point. But you have to be have the freedom to make the alternative, right, for it to be real, right? It's just like any real deep, intimate relationship, you have to be vulnerable to being hurt and rejected and people not choosing you maybe in a certain situation, right, um, in order to receive the blessing of the true, sincere love from somebody, right? Because here's the reality. My wife doesn't greet me at the door every day when I come home from work, um, cooking me my favorite meal, massaging my feet while I watch the hockey game, right? Like, um <laughs> Right, she and that wouldn't make you there, better, and but, that wouldn't help sanctify you. But either. there's times though that she does cook for me my favorite meal. Right, I, there there are times where she does do those things, but she does those things out of her own choice because yeah. she loves me, and it means so much more than if I had just some robotic wife doing that every day for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying yeah, there'd just be huge hole of affection that's missing there. And I would say the same thing applies. To God, and I would say, so somebody because this this was asked um, by the youth is like, okay, so they're like that makes sense, like, but then why doesn't God just stop us from sinning before we do it? Then right, so we make the freedom, but why not once we make the bad choice, doesn't He stop us right before you know we go and 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 do it right? Mm-hmm. Um, why doesn't He like intervene right and? Just imagine like an alternative universe for a second, for a second, right? You, like you shoot up in a rocket ship, go to this other planet where that's the reality. The reality is, is that they have the same interaction of, of the freedom of the will, whatever yeah. that is for us, however you believe that to be, right? But right before you sin, God intervenes with like this pounding migraine. Like you just come down with this dehabilitating migraine to where you can't function, yeah. do anything right before you're about to sin. Right. It's like the closer you get to the sin, the more the the more the pounding yeah. headache gets until you can't do anything. But well, right. th- this is my point. It, just if you think about a, a reality like that, right, an yeah. alternative reality, what kind of world would that be? Would that be a pleasurable world? Would that be a? It's terrifying. 
it would not just be terrifying. It would be, it would be horrible, right? Because in our pride, we always think things in ourselves, not as bad as we are. So what we say is like, you know, God, why don't you go in and, you know, intervene before Selena decided to throw the brick at my head, right? Or, or she threw the brick at my head, but why don't you just turn the brick rubber and it just bounces off, right? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. we always think about that in the context of people's sins against us, right? Or the big sins, right? Yeah. Lord, why don't you intervene and stop me before I went and made that mistake that completely messed up my marriage, right? Like we think of the big things. Mm-hmm. If you want God intervening, he, God's holy, right? He's not going to just intervene in the sins you don't like and give you a pass on the sins you do like or don't care about. He's going to intervene on every little element of mm, your life, yeah. right? Right before you throw that litter out the window, that migraine. Bam, you're out, right? <laughs> and I think what you would have is right a world. before you world, look at your phone while driving, <laughs> here comes that migraine. And you would have a world of people just crawling around, dehabilitated the entire day. Yeah. Right? That's an awful world. They'd be afraid to think, you know? I think we'd be so sinful that we would try our best to make something for the migraine to go away. Like whether that be sure like would. electric pulses or medication <laughs> I, yeah, or but like the, numbing but the, the entire The amount of migraines head. you'd be feeling to try and make something to make the migraines go say, away. How do you build something with that when you're trying to deal with the dehabilitating migraine? That's my point. Yeah. You couldn't function, mm. right? And that just shows the depravity of us. You know what I'm saying? Um, so even with the That's existence wild. of God given us that freedom, right? To, to go out and, and, um, I love, hold on. Cause I, I, I know a popular counter to that would be like, oh, well maybe just the big sins. And it's like, yeah, but now you're trying to put a box around God. No, no, you're no, trying no. To wall you're off. trying to say what's big and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's so saying, you're trying to, to put define. a wall around what God, what God is. That's you like, again, the debilitating headache, right? Because mm-hmm. you are now saying what is a big sin to you yep. as if you're, you're playing that role your, of God, bringing your pride into it. Right. Again. God says, well, you're not God and get to determine what is offensive How dare and you not offensive think that? to me. Debilitating headache. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Every I'm single so element, to think. we would not be able to function, right? Yeah. Like it, it would be a horrible um, situation. So that's number one. Number two, um, I wrote this is that, so not only is it nothing more real, right? Um, but two, there'd be nothing more glorifying. Um, so Selena, I've, Romans 11, was it 36? Chapter 11, 36? Yep, chapter 11, verse 36. We've gone over this verse before, I think when we did the uh, the one of, of purpose, but it's worth hitting again. Let's see if we're on the same page. Okay, so, for f- from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And who's the him? Christ, right? So... From him, through him, for him are all things. To him be the glory. Oh, that was forever. our purpose episode. Right. From, through, and from for Christ, <laughs> through Christ, and for Christ are all things, right? So we were created to be agents of worship on planet Earth to the glory of who? For who? Christ, right? So. The entire, like, what is the point of it all? What, what, why are we all here kind of doing this thing is for the glorification of Christ, right? It is for his glory that we do this. So if that is the intent, then the world we live in, even a world with sin, I would argue is still the most glorifying reality or possibility that we could have. Okay, so let me explain. Um, 
if we were created in God's image, it says that we were created in his image. And the reason we were created in his image is so that we can be aware of the character of who God is beyond ourselves. Right. So we, we strive for things like justice and strive for things like love and all those intangibles. Right. Um, we long to seek, um, that which can only be found in God himself. Right. We, we, we can only, we, we seek to, for those things cause we don't have them organically within ourselves that only God has, cause that's who he is. Right. It doesn't say that God is perfect. Um, or, or he doesn't say that God loves perfectly so that God is love. Right, so when you seek love, you're not seeking some like separate principle away from God. You're seeking God Himself, right? That's an interesting way. Uh, I've never heard that before, but that I, that does make a lot of sense. Hmm. God is truth, right? God is. Um, so if you're seeking truth, you're seeking God. God is justice, right? So those all those elements that we're searching for. That oh man, you're actually you just brought like. So, so there's some other stuff that I read that talked about um, th- about those ideals that um, what it means to pursue God and that we all have these. So there's people that will say, I don't believe in, I don't believe in God. Right. But if you, but then you ask them, it's like, well, where did you get your kind of like moral compass for? Because I'm sure you believe in truth. I'm sure you believe in fairness. I'm sure you believe in justice. I'm sure you believe in honor. Right. And it's like, where did that come from? Cause that was there regardless of where you were raised, what you were taught and all that stuff, those things are in you. And so the scripture says that God is those things. Mm-hmm. So to say that you, that you believe in truth, that you believe in justice, that you believe in honor, you believe in these things that is, and when you're pursuing that, you are pursuing God. Right. So that's fun. Let us make man in our image. It was from Christ. We were created, right? Let us, Right, create it was through him that us create man in our image, right? So through his image, for him, right? So the whole idea is this: if that we were born to be those agents of worship, we need to be able to recognize and and search for, like, have this passion to seek out God. I'd love to have like a debate with someone about that because it's incomplete, though, right? Because we're we can only find that satisfaction through him. And that's where the worship comes from. You realize, like, I've looked for love um, in all the wrong places, right? But I found it satisfied in Christ. That's why he now commands my worship, right? So it's through the revelation of Christ filling those things that we had been seeking for our entire lives completely that you're like, that's where my worship goes, right? Because it's now in line with our purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now... If that's the point, if the point is for us to be the worshipers, is the point for him to be glorified. That's why that's also why in Romans three twenty three it says, All have sinned, operated outside of our yeah. purpose design, right? And fall short of God's glory. Mm-hmm. Right? In other words, in our sin, we have failed to do what we were created to do for God's glory. Yeah. Does that make sense? So um so if that's true then, well let's let's just step it back then and say, well, what if God just made us all morally perfect? Like without the capability, the, the, the capacity to sin, right? Let's sh- shoot over to another planet where on that planet, um, it's not that you don't necessarily have free will, but you just don't have, you're, you're just hardwired, um, to act perfectly within the confines of love, justice, 
right? All those things. Maybe, maybe uh, you can Isn't explain it. Isn't that heaven as, though? Well, we'll, we'll talk about we'll, that yeah, in a second. We'll, yeah. It's like, but what I was going to highlight was make, maybe you, you can argue it as like, well, we have this internal desire to, for truth, for justice, at least to have them, you know, done to us. But you could say on this planet, it's like, we also have this kind of unending desire to be honest, this unending desire to be just in all of our actions. And it's like, you can maybe argue it that way. Well, but, but my point though, in is the, that in this fake world, what, yes. What, what's, well, would you though? Cause you would just be those things. Right. So my point is like, okay, Mm. right now we, right now we, the songs that we sing that for worship, right. Just look at a worship song. Do we praise God for just his existence or do we praise him for the attributes and the character of who he is? That one. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but if we then were hardwired to be perfectly within that character, even though it wasn't by our own choice, right. But we're, like we, we were built hardwired with to do everything perfectly within love. Yeah. Well, then would love even be an attribute? Uh, yeah, it wouldn't and be it, something you desire or pursue. It would you just, wouldn't. It, it would just, just be. be. Like, it, I, like nobody says like, um, like, we never praise Christ for having a nose. Unless you needed to have your nose reconstructed because you lost well, it. Maybe. Sorry. Could you, I'm sorry. Please. Right? <laughs> you guys do it. It drives me crazy. Like, just understand the analogy, right? My uh, point is, is that yeah. we don't worship <laughs> Christ and his beautiful nose with his two nostrils, right? Because we all have a nose. Most generally all have a nose and, a, and two nostrils, right? We're getting a comment this the, week. Right. There's nothing, <laughs> there is nothing that is unique or special about that, right? That would, demand or command our worship to Christ for having a nose. Yeah. Right. Like we worship Christ because he died for me because he loved me. Right. Now, if one, if we were perfectly hardwired in love to not sin, we would never have the cross, which we never have the supreme demonstrations of love because we would never have sinned. And we, yeah, we would never needed it, but we would never even have the concept of love itself because we all be just, we just, just be, be like having loving. a nostril you know, or a nose with two nostrils, right? Yeah. So my point is that that is a character of who God is. He has hardwired us to be perfectly within that character without our choice, just hardwired, right? We wouldn't worship him. We wouldn't worship him in his character of who he is completely. Therefore, so our worship our would be incomplete. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to fill our purpose. Exactly. That's interesting. Does too. that make sense? Like it, so by Does that ha- make sense, Selena? So by having the... Okay. So by having the option and the choice not to right um even though that comes at the the cost of sin and then therefore suffering we at least get the full exposure and understanding of the character of who god is so our worship is complete when we come to that yeah so it's like this is why it's why he's worth pursuing right we can only understand that after being exposed to that's one of those things about like sheltering kids why it's so dangerous to shelter your kid from ever experiencing something bad and trying to minimize that as much as possible because they're going to experience it eventually if you don't let them get that exposure while they're young to conflict and stuff like that then they're just gonna have to deal with that in college or they're gonna have to deal with it in their first job and they won't have built up the skills to be able to you know handle it well in this particular case that if we were built for worship then we wouldn't be complete in our purpose right so no, you, wouldn't, you, at, you wouldn't understand would the change. need for worship. He he could do that, right? He could hardwire us to be and be that way. 
but then we would have to be given a different purpose. We mm. couldn't wor- be the, the the agents of worship in, in, in the regions. We would be like crea- the animals. Within creation. Wait, exactly. can we I ask the like heaven the part animals. again? Because isn't that the point of... Heaven. Yeah, like, or the second earth... It is. is that we're just going to be doing that but for where eternity? does that justification come from, though? Because we already chose him. But you wouldn't have to choose him because no. you would just be. Yeah. You would so just it's be not that like way. We, it's not like you, marriage where we constantly have to choose God. It's just basically what you're saying. State. We're in that. Like, if, you were just, if God just hardwired you to be that way, you wouldn't need Christ. And you wouldn't but worship. Aren't we gonna? Why would you need him? He wouldn't have to die for you. You you wouldn't sin. So, but uh, I'm can I clarify like, the question? Possibly, maybe you're asking, will we need Christ? No, in I'm heaven saying or like, in, in the, in the um, once we are not in that sinless state, which is when you know the resurrection, and then we all go to heaven. The rapture, and the, and the, the, all that. then we have the second earth. That was like the rapture. Sorry, we <laughs> are gonna be in that sinless state. Where we're constantly going to be worshiping God. You're going to be under the Lordship of Christ, who, through who, has justified us and made us sinless. Mm-hmm. Not that you're in a sinless state, but through the, the atoning blood of Christ has made you sinless. So you're still it's, in it's, a sinless state from the, it with is the knowledge. Christ, it is through Christ that has justified you. Right, so when you start talking about our purpose, right, mm-hmm. that's when you get the full culmination of what our purpose was supposed to be, which is worship right yeah and now we're going to be like hey we are here yeah not because i deserve it because i've had the bad context of sin of not just my life but of others but i'm still somehow here because of what jesus did for me that which will command your worship for eternity right so i mean the bible i don't think the bible is very clear that we just have like this like and we just become like these superhumans that never sin again I, I think sin is clear. Yeah, that's one interpretation. Mm. I guess what I'm saying is that when Christ comes back and he reigns and he's Lord, we're all going to recognize our deficiencies and what we failed in, but that we've been justified through Christ, which is why we're able to go in his glory, be co-heirs with him, which will then for, therefore realize it's not by my merit and how awesome I am that I'm here. It's how awesome he is, which is why I'm here. Therefore, I'm not going to worship myself. I'm going to worship him. So what about the angels? That ev- Is it true worship? Is Their purpose isn't, isn't worship. Their That's purpose is own. not to worship God? No, I like disagree we with do? that. I disagree with that. That their purpose is to worship? They have That's choice. their only purpose? That, that, how, how did a third of heaven fall with Satan? Because Th- they chose eight? to yeah. worship or not. Angels but, chose and made the same decisions we have, right? D- d- the way I look at, to me... The vocation mm-hmm. of evangelic beings is really the same vocation we have on earth, except theirs is within the spiritual realm of heaven. Mm-hmm. So if you notice, everything is kind of mirrored in heaven. So just as there is a, um, like the throne of God with, um, like when it describes the visions in like Daniel, Revelation, how it describes like the throne room of God is the same way that the temple and the tabernacle were built. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we are mirroring on earth as it is in heaven, right? The same, like you, you see angels performing the same priestly functions in heaven as you do the cherubim, right? Com- com- completely declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see the, um, um, essentially like the menorah. You see 
all those icons that were represented um, in the temple and the tabernacle are represented in the heavenly realm, right? And the point is that when Christ comes back, that those two merge and become one, right? Mm-hmm. So, so those things are combined, but heaven, uh, angels are kind of doing, are the same agents of worship in heaven as we are to be the agents of worship on earth. So right? we were doing a series with Pastor David and then um, one of my cousins asked me like, I forgot what the question was, but the point was, is that at some point the angels won't be able to rebel against God again. Just, so, just like humanity won't. There comes a so point where he destroys question. all is it wicked. True worship? Is it going to be true worship once we get to heaven? Of course it is because you're there off your choice to put your trust, hope, and, and, and of that one time and purpose that into we gave Christ. our life. Not one time. Your your entire life your, is a part of that sanctification. And, and the pistis, the um, the pistis of um, that's the Greek word that Paul uses in Galatians. It's all about Christ's faithfulness, because Christ demonstrated His faithfulness to us. We then return with our faithfulness to Him. So those who have deliberately have focused their hearts on on living for Christ right? Who are become the vessels of mercy, right? But there's going to be those who don't. They say, I don't want to go to make the glorification of Christ the center of my life. I'm going to make the glorification of self the center of my life. He says, okay, then you're going to be a vessel of wrath. Mm-hmm. At, at one point, if you notice, those who have lived and chosen and rejected the provision God provided in Christ to save us, they're going to be destroyed along with the angelic beings who also rebelled, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're paired up. And that's it's the a, difference between that it's death the and same. That destruction. A- angels rebelled. Humanity's mm-hmm. rebelled. There, there's some angels who haven't rebelled. Yeah. We have rebelled, but we, there, there's also the whole point of the cross is us returning, right? Okay. Um, so they're really destroyed together, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all of creation who have rebelled and who have not accepted the provision, you're out. And the old earth just gone right so they're gonna be completely Uh, destroyed it's not like they're gonna be internally in heaven suffering eternally in hell suffering you mean sorry internally in hell suffering i don't i don't think so because my understanding is that like like, gone there's a punishment and then there's it it does talk in revelation about that final destruction I think even I after think the bottomless pit, then it says out. destruction. Isn't that better than internally suffering, though? If you just cease to exist, I don't. I you don't could know. argue that. Here, here's Maybe the thing. That's true I don't love. know. Like nobody <laughs> really know. knows that's this. Fair. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Yeah. Right. The way the Bible uses some um, symbology and imagery to describe the like, Jesus uses the term. You're going to go to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound like a great place, mm. yeah. right? It, he, he uses the term. Um, it doesn't even say it's continuously on fire. It doesn't even well, necessarily say he, that. He calls it the place of outer darkness, but at the same time, it says you're going to go get um, to the place of eternal fire, right? Well, if it's dark, but then there's it also a bunch fire? of fire, how is that? Because it's using imagery to, to describe what it's like, not literally what necessarily it which, is. Which is awesome. It's saying it's like being in an, an eternal mm-hmm. fire, okay. but you're also, it's like being in the you're outer darkness. And you're also weeping. You're, also, you're, okay. you're gnashing your teeth of how miserable it is. Like That's what it's just, like. You just don't want to be there. Yeah, because then you also right. have all the parables that ex- when 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 Jesus was trying to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like when we went through that series as well, you know, because there was none of them are perfect examples because it's it's impossible to really describe it in our in our right. language. 
but he, he gave these parables to kind of explain what the kingdom of heaven is like to help us understand that that is the place you should be pursuing and trying to get. Is it going to be exactly like what those parables describe? No, but is it, it's enough for you to understand that you want that, not the other thing. Mm-hmm. So okay. we've derailed a bit, yeah. right? So first, um, All in good things, though. nothing, um, there's nothing more real, a sin or a, a world with a possibility of sin. There's nothing more glorifying. And then the third thing I would say, this is nothing more logical. Um, so when you ask, so essentially when you ask God to make us, why didn't he just make us like him in that character, right? Without that capacity, um, perfectly moral beings, right? Perfectly moral, just can't create. <laughs> right. So yes. what are you essentially asking and asking, why didn't God do? He's, you're essentially saying it, God is the definition of perfection. God is the definition of all things, mm-hmm. right? That's why he says, who should I say? When Moses is at the the bush, who should I say sent me? I am that I am. Mm -hmm. You don't have a definition for me. I am the definition of everything else, right? Because even if you were to say and and tell Moses, um, you tell them that I am love sent you, they're going to put their odd Egyptian distortion of view of what love is and attribute that to God. He's like, that's not me, Mm. right? You, You don't have a definition for me. I am who I am, right? And then he also kind of highlights that I will show them who I am as well. Exactly, and that's what the whole rest of that, right? So the point being is that God is the center, right? He He's the definition of all things. He's the base of all things. Um, he is perfection. Anything that is not him is imperfect, right? And and, and this, this bothers me because a lot of people think that the point is for us, like the expectation of us was to be perfect. And what I mean is that um, that our purpose was ultimately to be perfect. Yeah, like we, we were created to we be perfect, perfect people, to be, right? Like, yeah. Well, by that, like in that sense, you're saying that our purpose was to be God, which is actually the very thing that God says, "Don't do, don't Ooh. do." You see what I'm saying? Nice, that's spicy. I yeah. Like it. So, so perfection. Who is God? You're asking. Well, why didn't God just make us perfect? So you're why saying, didn't God just make mm, me God? Why didn't God just make me God? Mm. Yeah. Not little gods. You're, you're asking, why didn't God just make me God? Why didn't God just make me like him? Mm. You know? Right. So what he does is he says you're created in the image and the likeness of God. Yeah. So you, 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 you have the capability to recognize he's there. You, you desire him and the attributes of him, right? The very essence of what we want and need and pursue is the very same essence of who God is. Yeah. Because like, but we, we can't that, be trust, satisfied that, just, in it because we we're not that. God. Right, so you you seek it out and you and you find it with him, which is which is awesome because you can just say that well we weren't created to be God we were created to continuously pursue God like Adam was created to continuously pursue God but that he could only do that um, as perfectly as he could if he had the option not to and which is why you needed that tree of the knowledge of good and evil to be there because it wouldn't be true choice if he didn't have another option there you know right and, and there's and, and that's the kind of thing right like yeah everything there for you. There's these two things you can't do, right? And they still mess that. We'll have to do, there's so much in that story that is foundational to things um, that I think a lot of people miss, but but kind of just moving beyond though, like, so why didn't he just make us perfect? Well, why didn't he just make us God? Well, then Mm -hmm. if our purpose was to be agents of worship, that's why he created us, Mm -hmm. but you made me perfect in character as you are, 
What would we worship? What would you even be pursuing at that point? What would you be worshiping? I'm just saying, but like, would you worship God? Would you, you like, worship? Period. Why, why would I worship God for being just like me? Mm. Yeah. Right. Like, like that. That's why I don't worship men. Right. Like, because you're just like me. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you are. You're Preach. a dude. You struggle with the same five things that I struggle with. I'm not putting my faith, hope, trust, and 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 hope in you. Yeah. I'm putting it in Christ. Right. Like. Because mm-hmm. he's not like me. He's he's everything that I want but can never have, but it was only satisfied and fulfilled through him. Right? But if I was made in that same perfect likeness and character, like God himself, then why why would I worship him? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But then my po- whole that leads into though, ultimately, is that that would be illogical to even ask. That's a fallacy. To oh. say then, God make me perfect like you are perfect. Well, part of that perfection then is being uncreated, which God is. We would still be created, therefore, we would still not be in the same perfection, right? A, mm. B, say he could do that. Now, we, I mean, I'm going to make you perfect in character just like me. And that means God and his perfection is adding to his perfection by creating other eternally perfect beings, therefore, meaning he wasn't eternally perfect in the beginning. Per- perfect to begin with. Because he is. Right. Because that means there so, was more that could have been. Right. And, and, and that's what's making it's nonsense. Right, so I, I it, it's seen that that's why I kind of go back to the central point of like even a world with sin is still the best possible reality that we could have had, not just to satisfy our purpose, but he could have made us like the animals, right? Who are very robotic that way. You know, a bee's going to be do what a bee does. A, a lion's going to do what a lion does. I, I, I don't even want because you said even in a world in sin. I, I want to be even more direct. A world with sin is the most uh, perfect reality we can have because of our purpose. Right. It, it's like If you understand the worth and the purpose piece that we talked about before, then this is the only end state that makes sense from that perspective. And, and this is what people ha- are going to have a hard time with. They have to accept this, right? God is for God. God did all this not for us. He did all this for him, for his glory, for from, through, and for things are all things, all of this, you and me included, all things for his glory, yeah. right? All things. God did this for God. Now, if God said, I did this so I am glorified and I created humanity for my glory and their role and purpose within the arching, overarching um, cog of creation is to be the ones responsible for the worship and glor- of me, the glorification of me, yeah. Right. All that, that, that's why we're here. Yeah. Right. And, and if people have a hard time accepting that, right, they have a hard time accepting the fact that I am here, not for me. Right. Yeah, But I think it's also the only thing that ultimately makes sense. It is because if that is true, which is what the Bible says, then if we're here for God's glory, then a world of sin makes perfect sense because it gives me my context Right? It gives me a context outside of God. God is completely beyond the sin that we're enthralled in. Right? So he gives you the context for the, have the sincere, complete, not just sincere worship, but complete worship. Because in order to be able to identify every bit of his character and attribute, you have to have experienced the yeah. counter to that. So you experience the all the failure in yourself, all the failure in those around in others, you. You know exactly. that man does not meet that. No animal will ever meet mm-hmm. that. Um, and so it keeps us focused on the pursuit of him which can only happen with the brokenness of those around us. Exactly. 
but the, but in his love, he says it's not going to be like that forever, though. Mm. Yeah. But when he's creating the creative process, right? He's saying, but it does. There has to be time to where you are built into this. You have to be shown, be built. Like I honestly think, and this is kind of a personal opinion. Everybody kind of reads like, especially like Revelation, when Christ comes back, they view that as the end. I don't think so. I think the end of Revelation is actually the beginning, or it's more describing the end of the beginning. In other words, I think our the, the true intention of of creation and, and our purpose, of why we are here, starts then. This was all necessary to get us to the proper place to begin that. Is it... God's yeah. eternal, right? Like, mm-hmm. Well, that seems like a lot of time. Well, to us, because yeah. we're created beings. Yeah. To God who's eternal, it's not. It's all currently happening. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so it's like... We're going through this, and he's he's going, has gone through, and will go through this. He's like, it's, it's all happening uh, with him simultaneously. But it was all you necessary. Know, he's outside to, of time. He is not flowing But to make that all proper and true, though, like we kind of had to go through... I, I, so, so Paul calls like the whole process of Christ as like, he puts in the form of child labor. Like, hey, there, there's going to be a lot of pains and child labor to birth something new, mm-hmm. right? So there's going to be pain yeah. and suffering to birth something new. But when that new life, that new creation comes, like it's worth it all, right? Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's what I think people need to anchor their hope in is that, okay, so, so God did make it intentfully this way with an understanding and knowing that there would be sin, that there would be um, suffering, ultimately, though, to something that is going to be much better and amazing, right? Like, you you have to accept the fact he didn't do it to be sadistic. He did it to make us true to the intent of why we were created. And there's going to come a day where I think that is fully realized, right? I've talked about this before, I think, maybe not, maybe not with you all. But it always asks, like, when you get to heaven, like, do you see grandma and grandpa and, you know, people that you love? And I was like, I, I do think there is a recognition there, right? Um, assuming they made it there, right? But, uh, but like, uh. I, I think there is a recognition. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though. Sorry. Why do you want to see grandma or somebody you love who's passed away? Well, they love me. Like, like mm-hmm. they, they love me deeply, right? Well, who is love? God, God is, is love, so. right? Your grandma showed you a glimpse mm. of the character of who God is. Yeah. One day you're going to be standing in the very presence of love itself, the very source of it, right? The very definition of it. Yeah. And I'm not sure. And Jesus says this. He's like, look, have, like up there, it's going to be completely different. Like, because they, they ask him a question, well, if whose wife is going to be who? And he's like, hey, it operates on different rules. But the reason why is because the purpose, like marriage, for example, um, that's supposed to kind of get you closer to God itself, yeah. right? Sanctification. That that doesn't have to exist there because... Have we done a marriage specific? No, but we're going to do one here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but my point, just let me finish this out real quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that when you start standing in the very presence of love itself, you're going to be fully satisfied and, and mm-hmm. full of love. So I think you're going to see Mima, but you're going to recognize Mima wasn't the source of that love. You were the source of that love, mm-hmm. Lord. And you're going to be fully complete in it. And you're going to recognize grandma. I think you're going to be happy to see grandma. And I think there's going to be a lot of joy there. But it's not going to be like, oh, I just can't wait to have that warm, loving hug from grandma. You're going to be in the warm, loving arms of love itself, right? And I'm just, that's there, right? But that 
to lead into that, though, all this other stuff was necessary. It's like childbirth, right? Labor pains to to produce us into our real purpose. So um, we'll leave it there. We, we hit a lot of heavy concepts, I think, today. Yeah. I'll say this. Moving forward, we're going to start. This is kind of like the pivot. Um, so after this, we're not going to do any more questions with youth. Um, but we are going to do some questions that adults have asked. Um, some have been asked before, before we, I did the series with youth. Other ones, though, have actually come out of the series. I've had a lot of adults come and ask, like, hey, what about this? Uh, nice. So there's going to be a couple that are just very unique to adults coming out of the series that have been asked. That Are I there any you want to reveal now or you want to save them? Oh, uh, I can do. Okay. I think the next one, um, I don't know what order we're going to do. Should women remain silent in church? Um, Ooh. submission. Political. We did that one. Submit to submission. That's like my favorite thing we're, you've ever told me ever. We're, we're going to do that. I think that study, um, sh- should we be submitting? Um, what does submission look like in the context of our of relationships marriage. and marriage? Um, third, um, could Hitler go to heaven? Right. Things like that. Um, so a few ones that are going to be fun. That's good stuff. I wanted to, uh, kind of give, give my two cents here. Cause, cause Ryan mentioned something of like, that's what we hope for. And I just wanted to throw in the, I, the concept of hope versus faith, because hope can come from a place where you have no idea and you have no clue. All right. But faith is, is informed. All right. It's like we have faith because we have the Bible, we have all of the history, we have all of the testimony, we've got all of this information that we're taking in and making a, a logical um, decision to put our faith in the truth that is the that is the Word of God. So it's not just a blind hope. If you feel like you just have blind hope that maybe I'll go to heaven, like go do some more research, go do some more study, because there's enough evidence out there that you don't have to just have blind hope. You ha- You can have faith. And it's uh, not blind because Christ said this is so, and He rose from the the grave. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's not it's it's not blind because you can you can go and start reading through the evidence. Um, something else I wanted to highlight is that uh, that conviction is is a good process. And if you're feeling convicted right now, that's good because uh, for me, I wrote down that like sin sin sucks. It sucks to miss the mark. It sucks to offend others. It sucks to um, to hurt God and to hurt those you love. And um, if you're if you're in love with your sin or you're feeling like you're saying like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's like this, this episode's for you. Just go ahead and pause right now. Go ahead and start over and go through it again because you need to probably hear it again. Um, or go back to the beginning of tough questions and start making sure you understand your worth and understand your purpose, understand the function of suffering and why the cross and all the things that we've talked about. Because it'll help you understand more that you're, yeah, but for that one sin that you're really holding on to or all those group of sins you're holding on to is not ultimately productive. And then I also wanted to say that, like, we're all in this process. We're all going through it. We're all in this journey of sanctification, um, going through life in a broken world with a broken uh, mind and a broken body that desires and wants the things that it shouldn't, that hurts those around it when it doesn't intend to, or even some around you that do intend to hurt others. Uh, but we sh- we should be in that pursuit, in that pursuit of Christ as we continue to go through this life. And that will hopefully make us make more right decisions than wrong decisions as we make our choices within our marriage, within our jobs, within our uh, friendships and relationships. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Bible Stories. I hope you listened intently. This was a lot of fun for me. 
And uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of Real Bible Stories. Go, go illogically love somebody. Go illogically? Illogically. Illogically love somebody. Love somebody to the point it doesn't make sense. That's intense. I have questions, but we'll save those <laughs> till next week. I love all of you. Uh, I guess that's a logical love, too, because I don't know who's listening to this. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in to Real Bible Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in partnership with Palm Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found wherever podcasts are found. Thank you again, and we